Please be seated. We're going to continue on in following the rabbi. Today, um, we went to the Holy Land uh, in the month of January and took some videos of some places where Jesus was so that I could teach you about what it means to follow in his footsteps. And so today's passage comes from Mark chapter 2, and it's about one of the things that Jesus was most often about, and yet one of the things that I find that we talk about the least. It's interesting because one of the things Jesus did constantly through his ministry was he found broken people and he made them well. And yet when we get to talk about healing, when you talk about, even as a pastor, when I talk about healing, it seems a little freaky, like, right? It's a little bit out there. Um, but we can't talk about Jesus' ministry without talking about how he set people right um, and how we might be able to not only seek healing and what we might need to do to find healing from God, but how we could lead other people to the side of Jesus so that they could have it too. So this, this is from Mark chapter 2. Verse 1, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Notice that word, home. Soon the house where he was visiting, or he was staying, was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So a little quiz. Jesus was born where? Bethlehem. You got it right. And where did he grow up? Nazareth. But when he was in Nazareth and they decided the, the people of the town tried to throw him off a cliff, he relocated. And so his new home is he didn't, isn't that a sad, they missed it, didn't they? Nazareth missed it. And so Jesus relocated and his home during his ministry time was Capernaum. It was the town we're read about today and we hear it in the scripture. The news spread that he was back home. And he stayed in the home of Peter and Peter's mother-in-law while he was in Capernaum. Now an interesting thing about Capernaum, we visited it. It's on the Sea of Galilee. It's on the North Shore near the Jordan River. So it is a lakeside town. We get that. Being from Spicewood, we're on the south side of the lake. They were on the north side, like kind of the Lago Vista, right? And so they're, they're in Capernaum. And the neat thing about Capernaum is it created a safe place for Jesus. Because as you know, in Jerusalem, it was deadly for Jesus. The religious leaders wanted to kill him. And so what kept him safe in Capernaum? Just as an aside, it was some of the healings that he had done. He healed the synagogue leader's daughter. Jairus, when he raised her from the dead, that was the leader of the synagogue, the religious leader in Capernaum. It was also there that the Roman centurion sent for him and said, my servant who serves me so well is ill. Jesus, please will you heal him? He was a God-fearing man. And he said, you don't even have to come, just give the word. And Jesus spoke the word, the servant was healed. And so now this man, head of the military, is a follower of Christ. The final interesting thing about Capernaum is that it was a, it's on the um, division of the kingdoms between the two, two of the Herods, the sons of Herod the Great. And so that's a place where taxes were collected. When you crossed a boundary, you had to pay taxes. It's like getting your passport stamped, only you have to pay. And so Matthew is sitting in his tax collecting booth there at the boundary making money for the Roman government, and Jesus sees him and says, come be my follower. So in Capernaum, Jesus had the religious leaders, 
the military leaders, and also the civil authorities who believed in him. So it was a good home base for him. It was a safe place. And um, the interesting thing about Capernaum is when you go there, the ruins are really like right there. They built a church over the most important one. So if you see this, there's like a church over it. Um, but it's really interesting because the house where Jesus lived is still standing. They built a first century church around it, like right immediately. So we know with great certainty, this is the house where our Savior lived during his time in ministry. It's also the place where this happened. So let's take a look. We're here at um, Peter's mother-in-law's house. This is likely the place where Jesus lived while he was doing most of his public ministry. It's in Capernaum. And this is also the place where the four friends brought their friend and lowered him through the roof to Jesus' feet because they couldn't get in the front door. And so you can see back here the, the traditional insula of the house has been turned into a church over time. But this is, in fact, one of the most solid places that we have in the Holy Land for certainty that this actually was the house where Peter's mo Peter, his mother-in-law, and Jesus lived during his ministry time in Capernaum. Isn't that cool? To be standing there and be like, this is Jesus's home. This is it. This is the place where when Jesus got back into town, this was before tweeting, right? But basically the people sent out a tweet. Jesus is back, right? He's back home. And so the whole town came. We have other instances in the Gospels where people say, oh, Jesus is here. And the marketplaces fill up with sick people wanting to be healed. Because when Jesus is around, healing is possible. And so these four friends get their friend, and they put him on a stretcher, and they run over to Jesus' house, right? But by the time they get there, it, you can imagine if you had to put your friend on a stretcher, that might take a little bit more time than just the able-bodied going over to Jesus, right? So it takes them a little bit of time, and by the time they get there, what's happened? It's full. Hang out the clothes sign. Jesus is close, right? We're done. But they refuse to give up. This is their chance. He's at home. He can do something. And so these friends get the guy on the stretcher. And wouldn't you love to know how long they'd been friends? Wouldn't you love to know about that? We just know it must have been a deep friendship, that they cared passionately about this guy, and they would do whatever it took. And so they climb up this rung ladder up to the roof of the house. Sometimes people would go up there to get cool, so there were ladders up there. They're not going to go to get cool. They're going to dig a hole in the roof. I mean, y'all, you've got to love that creativity, right? That doing whatever it takes to get their friend there. And then they dig the hole, and I wonder, because it, it would have been made of, like, beams of wood and then mud with grass, okay? So it would have had to been replaced. Maybe the homeowner was like, well, I was going to do that anyway this spring. Who knows? But the, the stuff starts coming down. I mean, was it like falling on Jesus? Until they have a big enough hole, and somehow they lower the guy to Jesus' feet. Why? Because they believed. They believed so strongly that if they could just get their friend to Jesus, he would be well. And does Jesus disappoint them? He doesn't. He does heal this man. Now, there's stories like this throughout the Gospels. I mean, Jesus actually heals people as much as he teaches them. We just don't talk about it all that much. And I wonder if we don't talk about it because we're kind of afraid, like, ooh, that's a little different. 
than what we go to the doctor for healing, not God, right? Well, God can use your doctor. I totally believe that. God uses doctors to heal me, to heal you. I pray for that. But also we serve a healing God that if we can just get to his feet, he's never going to ignore us. So what do we want to do if we want healing? Well, first of all, we need to be persistent, right? To not give up. I see that in scriptures a lot. You have to be willing when it's all crowded and other people would be like, well, sold out, to be like, no, I'm going to keep going. Oftentimes I feel like we give up on prayer because that's how we interact with God. We give up on our prayers too soon. Jesus tells Lot that story about the widow, remember? Knocking, knocking, knocking on the judge's door, begging for justice. And it's because she's persistent that she gets it. He tells us that story so we wouldn't give up. I mean, y'all, I prayed for, my grandfather has passed on now. He was not a believer. I'll tell y'all this story. When I told him I was going to be a pastor, um, I said, Grandpa, I'm going to be a pastor. He said, you are wasting your intelligence. He did not want me to do this. I prayed for him for decades for his faith, that he would be a believer. And it got to the point where I was like, nothing's ever going to change, you know, this and that. Well, he had a friend in an RV group sometime that was like, hey, come to church with me. And by the end of his life, my grandfather would tell me about Bible studies, would tell me how much he loved the Lord, was totally healed. The last words he said were, Lord, Lord, because he saw Jesus coming to get him. And I'm so glad that when I was about to give up, God would remind me to not give up to keep praying, to keep being persistent. We see the woman who squeezes through the crowd just to get a touch of Jesus, right? The, the people who are blind, who just call until their voices break because they're not gonna give up because this is their chance. So the first thing that I would encourage you is when you need healing, when someone you love needs healing, don't give up. Persist, just keep going. Because there is never a time in the whole Bible when someone calls out to Jesus and he ignores them. God will answer you. God does answer. It's just we don't always get to determine the timing or the way. Okay, so the first thing is persistence. The second thing is faith. Now, a lot of us would understand that because Jesus asks a lot of time, do you have faith, right? Or he sees that the person who asks him has faith to be healed. And I love this scripture because it's a little bit challenging in that regard. Um, look at this. Look at verse 5. Um, oh, actually, look at verse 4. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. There's a lot of things Jesus could have said at this point. Like, Jesus could have been really concerned about the roof because this was his house, right? Like, um, are you going to pay for this, right? He's not concerned about the roof, y'all. He's concerned about the man on his feet. And it says, seeing their faith. Wait a minute, that was plural. Whose faith did he see? The friends. He saw the faith of that man's friends. And he healed them. Because they had faith that he could do it. Isn't that interesting? That means that you can have faith on behalf of someone else. Isn't that crazy? That you could, all you need to do is get them to Jesus. And if you believe, then that might be enough. You could have faith. 
we're going to, I'm going to read you a story in a little while where the guy doesn't even reach out to Jesus. Jesus comes to him. Whose faith was it? Jesus believed in that man, believed he could heal him. You have to have faith. And that faith then leads us to take those risks, right? To dig a hole in the roof or to travel a great distance or to carry someone's stretcher or whatever it takes to get them there. He saw the love and the faith of the friends. Um, finally, openness. Because look at what Jesus does when they bring the man there. Their whole goal is that he's paralyzed. They want their friend to walk again. But what's the first thing that Jesus says to this man? Your sins are forgiven. So see how he didn't meet the need that the friends were thinking was the most important? And yet Jesus knew better than they did what this man lying at his feet needed first. He needed to be forgiven. And so that's the other thing I would remind you, I would remind me about healing, is when we pray for healing, we allow God to respond the way God wants to. And Jesus surprises people. There's times that they ask, people ask for healing, and he starts spitting and making mud and rubbing it on people. Okay, there's times that he heals people by writing in the sand. There's times that he heals people because with a challenge. Like, think about the woman who said, will you please heal my daughter? And he said, basically, you don't deserve it. And she persisted and said, give me a crumb. Right? We think about the time with uh, Mary and Martha, where they say, your buddy is dying. Come, drop everything and come because you have the power. So they have the faith, right? And Jesus says, we're not going yet. And he delays. And so, the thing that we can control is we can control going to God. The thing that we can't control is how God will answer. I just want to assure you that God will answer. God will answer. There is never a person who cries out for help that Jesus ignores. Never. We just need to be open to the way that God will answer that prayer. So here um, I wanted to show you, that. so that's in Capernaum, the north part of the Sea of Galilee. Then we went into Jerusalem, and um, we went to, well, I'm going to see if y'all can pick out what this feature is. We went to the Pool of Bethesda, and it's a very deep pool, and there were colonnades, and it was believed that the water was healing, and it's here that Jesus encounters in John 5, um, a man who's been sitting there for 38 years. So I want you to look at what that looks like. We're here at the pool of Bethesda. It's mentioned in John chapter 5. This is the place where the blind and the lame and the paralyzed would gather in the, in the Colossae or the colonnades around here. And when the water bubbled up from the underground spring, they would try to be the first person in because it was believed an angel was stirring it and they could be healed. And Jesus encountered a man here on a Sabbath day, which is um, the day of rest, who had been here for 38 years waiting, um, hoping to be the first in the water. And when Jesus asked him if he wanted to be well, he says, I can't. And he can't because there's no one to help him into the pool. And so if he, you can see how deep it is, if he would have gone in in his paralyzed form um, and been the second and not healed, he couldn't have gotten out without a friend. Maybe he couldn't even get in without the aid of a friend. And so Jesus says to him in that moment, take up your mat and walk. And so he is the friend to this man who's been waiting for 38 years for healing, and he heals him on this Sabbath day. Did any of y'all pick out what archaeological feature that was? Cistern, right. It's a really deep cistern. 
Um, so it's this really deep pool. Here's this man, and I've been, I pray over these scriptures, and I wondered, like, out of all of the sick that were there that day, because there were crowds, right? This man didn't call out to Jesus, and yet it says in John chapter 5 that um, he saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time. And I just wonder, Jesus has been going to the temple to Jerusalem since he was a child. And so I wonder, did Jesus see this man when he was a child? And walk by again and, and think, I've seen that man for 30 years now, sitting there. And so for whatever reason, whether it was he could read the pain on his face or whatever it was, Jesus picks him out of the crowd and asks him, would you like to get well? And the, that's a great question. If you want to ponder that in your own devotional time this week, would you like to get well? But the man says, I can't. See, he's been sitting here for 38 years. Talk about persistence, right? This close, maybe between me and that chair, of waters that could heal him and always failing to get there. Always failing to be the one. So for 38 years, he's been waiting. Now, I love that about him because he hasn't given up. He's still trying. But he's also in those 38 years seen the people who succeeded. And he realizes how they're different from him. And he tells Jesus how they're different. Did you catch that? I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always gets there ahead of me. So he says, Jesus, the difference is it's not that I don't want to get well. It's that I don't have a friend. I don't have a family member. I'm alone. There's no one to help me. In that moment, Jesus says, well, I will help you. And he heals him. Now, what I think about in this scripture is the value, because if we're talking about um, healing, then persistence and faith and openness are important, but the Holy Land taught me the importance of one other thing, and that's the importance of each other. That we are so individualistic, I get it. We all want to be good on our own and to prove that we can do it without any help. And this man had been sitting feet from healing for 38 years and came to the realization, I can't do it alone. I need a friend. And I don't have any. And to me, that's the beautiful thing about having a family of faith is that God gives us each other he gives us to one another so that no one of us ever has to stand two feet from the water and look at it and long for it but not be able to get there to it. Because there's somebody else here at this church that says, you need a hand, I'm here. You need a hole dug in the roof, I'm your man. I'm good at tearing up roofs, right? There's so many ways we can do this. It doesn't have to be carting someone up to a roof. It can be as easy as when you hear a prayer request. One of y'all, a couple of y'all did this last week. You heard a prayer request and you came to me at the door and said, could you tell me a little bit more about that? I'm going to call them. I'm going to call them. Some of y'all come up. That's why we have the altar flowers, you guys. They are meant not to stay here. They are meant to be in worship and to go out. 
and I don't know the people you know, and I'm not friends with them, and I'm not neighbors with them. I can't do that. The only way that they get out there into the hands of people who are hurting is if you carry them there. You can think of those altar flowers as the last few feet. Can you heal anybody? Can I? I can't. But God can. And God isn't asking me to heal anybody. God is just asking me to bring them to him. That's what he's asking you to do. Just bring them along. Oh, you say, I'm too embarrassed. I'm too embarrassed. What would people think if, they, if I said, hey, Jesus might be able to help with this, right? So, like, so embarrassed you couldn't dig a hole in a roof? I mean, like, would it be more embarrassing than that? Because that's pretty embarrassing. Um, I have a picture up here of Helen Imlach. Um, Meg is out there somewhere. And Meg and the prayer shawl team knit prayer shawls to her. She was in the hospital, and she let us take this picture. Can you see her face? Can't tell you how much that meant to her. Ten minutes of visiting in the hospital counts for like ten hours of normal time. It does. When you're, I remember when I was first in the hospital, one of the pastors came to visit me. I will still remember that. And two people from my church that I just barely knew, I was 16 years old, came and held my hand and prayed for me and said, hey, if you're nervous, I want you to know that we're praying for you. And it got better. I didn't even really know them. And they came to see me. They were part of my healing. And so what I'd encourage you to do is, See, the power of God is not limited by just what I can do, right? God's got all of us. So think about the healing power that can be present in this community if all that we're willing to do is get our friends and bring them to Jesus when they need help. Just say, you need healing? You're in luck because I know the healing God. And let's pray together. Now, that's why... um, if you'd like to be a more intentional part of that, um, there's a little card in your, in your bulletin today. Sign up. Sign up. Hey, I'd like to knit some prayer shawls or take communion to shut-ins or um, to pray or deliver flowers. I'd like to help people find Jesus. Okay, that's why that's there, in case you'd like to do that, and I bet you would like to do that. The second thing is, after I visited the pools of Bethesda, um, I was thinking about you on the other side of the world. I was thinking about you, my church. And I stopped in a little shop, and I got some anointing oil from the Holy Land. And um, I wanted to bring it back, just like I brought back the Jordan River water. Because the scriptures also say in James, they say, Is anyone sick? They should call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. I thought, I don't ever want any one of you to sit by the pool at Bethesda for 38 years and feel like you have no one. You don't have no one. You have me. And you have the people sitting around you. And so what I want to do is after we sing our closing song today, I'm going to invite our Stephen ministers up. And I'm going to be up here and we're going to have the oil. We would love to pray for you. We would love to pray for you. Even if you're like, nothing big is going on, we would love to pray for you. There's always a healing prayer that can be said. Just so you know, you are not alone.
You're never alone. What does Jesus do when people call out? He always answers. May not be the way we expect, but he always, always answers. And the healing might be unexpected. It might be forgiveness. It might take a while, but it always comes. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would pour out your healing power upon us, your people. Help us to not feel like we're sitting, waiting, hoping, without the confidence of knowing that you will answer us, Lord. May today be a day of healing for us. Whatever it is that we're struggling with, be it a physical problem or something deep in our soul or a loss, come to us, Lord. We know that you see you see it on our faces. We know that you can read our hearts in the way the rest of the world can't. And we know that you won't leave us there. And Lord, I would ask that if there are others who we know in our community, like that poor man beside the pool, who have just a little scrap of hope left and nothing more, that you would give us the courage and the love to reach out to them and to bring them to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our closing song. If you'd like to join with the church, you know we'd love to have you. I'm on the front row. And then after the service is over, um, if you wish to be prayed for, I would love to do that. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice Let all the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide It trembles at his voice Trembles at its voice. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? All will see how great, how great is our God. And days to ages dead.
receive this benediction. And then if you'd like to come forward and like to have some of this oil from Jerusalem and a prayer, we would love to give that to you. I'm going to invite the Stephen ministers to come up as soon as I'm done. Um, and then if not, just pray for, pray for us. Go out and spread healing in the world, okay? Because we don't heal people, but God does. We know a healing God. And so you be encouraged that God is the God who heals you and that he will help you bring others to his feet. Amen.